Guys, it is so good to be home. Oh my word! Clap! It's crazy out there. Just saying. Uh, it's so funny, we often say this. Hey, if you're visiting with us today, big warm welcome. I'm back. If I haven't had a chance to say, how's it? How's it? It's really cool. I'm welcoming myself back today. Um, you know, as we travel and we go to visit other churches and see what God's doing out there, it's beautiful to see what God is doing. But guys, there is no place like home. We often think to ourselves, so stoked we found this church, forgetting, of course, that eight years ago we planted it because like, this is such an incredible community and Center Church has been through, through so many different iterations over the years. We've grown, we've moved buildings, we've done all kinds of stuff. But the, essential, the essentials of what God's wanted to build, build have always been here, just in different expressions. And so I don't want to take too much time this morning to talk about, I'll talk a little bit about our time away. I want to, I want to preach, I want to talk about God's word today. Um, just a huge thank you to the eldership team for giving us the space, the rest of the leadership team as well. You guys are amazing. Um, it's, been a, it's been a really, really good time, you know, the preaching team as well. Um, to preach as part of a team and then sit and be looking in the window online sucks, man. It sucks so bad because you know, the last three weeks felt a little bit like exile, like we can't come back. But... Um, like, Sydney and I yesterday, I'm like, how are you feeling? She's like, eh, night before Christmas, you can't wait to be back. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just really so beautiful. And also to our full-time team. Um, our full-time team are off the wall. You guys are amazing, amazing, amazing. So watching Chris and Sam and all the guys preach and, yeah, anyway. I get to preach this morning, yes, for the first time in like the longest time. Um, and I, I want to kind of give them the most of the time to that, but just obviously to extend a few greetings from the church in Bots. Those least member, we were up in um, at the Rock in Bulawayo, I mean in uh, Francistown, and to the guys who came with to that church, they send all their love and their greetings. You know all the gifts you guys gave them, little prophetic words and stuff? They've put up a tree in the foyer of their church with all the prophetic words and stuff as a reminder to them. That there, are, that there are churches out there who love them and care for them because it's so easy for them to feel isolated. And so we don't always realize like what we take with us and, and whatever. So that was really cool. And then um, yeah, I visited Anton and Ange Cater who lead a church here in Joburg as well with John and Tanya, which was so cool. Yeah, it's just it's been a good time, but it's so good to be home. <laughs> so I wonder if you can turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Um... Simon and Dim have kicked this off amazingly, and uh, so let's read from verse 3 and uh, see where God takes us. So Romans chapter 12, reading from verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say to each one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, each member belongs to all the others. Right? We belong to each other. That's just sick. In the best way. If you don't know, I'm from Durban, so we talk a little bit differently. Septic, sick is a good thing where we come from. Um, Belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. 
But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. For those of you guys who feel a bit awkward having people in your home, you know, like loving people. and It says practice it. doesn't mean you have to get it right the first time around, right? You can practice and just get it right eventually, but start somewhere. It's amazing, right? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So there's so much. I mean, this text, we could probably preach a year out of this text as a preaching team. But So I'm going to kind of give us two introductory comments, and then I want to talk about the gift of encouragement today, which is so profoundly powerful in the church. So I want to just helicopter view, talk about the gifts first, um, and then hopefully give a little bit of context as we zoom in on, on encouragement. So when we talk about these gifts, and there's this kind of tension between the two, because on the one hand, it seems to be that people have a specific gift. So let's say Simon has this gift of encouragement. It's his gift to carry. It's not like everybody, Paul's not saying everybody's got all these gifts, so everybody can do everything. Right? So Simon has this gift of encouragement specifically. But then the question is, does that let the rest of us off the hook? Right? But because it would be so nice to go like, yeah, John, why are you so spiky and offensive? Well, you know, God hasn't blessed me with a gift of encouragement. I mean, I wish he had. But, you know, if you've got an issue, maybe take it up with him. You know, like, I just can't. Maybe this is a helpful way of understanding it. If we look at these gifts that are mentioned, um, there's prophecy, service, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, and mercy I don't think any one of us would disagree that all of those should be present in each Christian. But the role of the person with that gift isn't just to exercise that gift, but they are the epicenter, right, of that gift being worked out through the church. They are there to remind, remind the rest of us, oh, it's good, to be, it's good to encourage, because they do it naturally. And so as they encourage, it spurs us on to encourage. Even though it's not our primary gift, I look at Simon encouraging someone, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's really important. And it reminds me of that. And they become the epicenter of this like earthquake that runs through the church, or this tremor that runs through the church, that reminds me of what I should do. And so that's why it's so important that each gift does run in their lane. Because they remind the rest of us of... You know, of what Jesus is trying to build. Jesus was the only one who was perfect and had all things. He was prophet, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, and all the other guys. And he had all of these gifts. Jesus was perfect. He was whole. Old Testament, he's prophet, priest, and king. He's all of those things. And so for us, we are, that's why I read that preface. It says that we are all parts of the body and belong to each other. And so it's not just like if I don't exercise my gift, the church misses out on my gift. If I don't exercise my gift, the rest of the church misses out on exercising that gift. See what I'm saying? It's like it, it like radiates out from me. So that's the first, that's the first thought. And, and it's so interesting because I, I, I don't know how you felt, but kind of growing up a little bit in the church, especially if, something, if I'm primarily gifted in something, it's so easy for me to look around and, and get grumpy or get critical because I go, no one's doing this. Like, I can see it in, in HD. Why is this not happening? Because it's my gift. I'm looking for it to be happening in the church, but it's not. Well, the reason it's not happening is because it has to start somewhere. And it starts with the person who carries that gift. 
And then it becomes like that stupid pay it forward movie, right? Sorry if you love the movie, but it's just, just so cheesy, man. Like just awkward. But it's sort of like that, right? Someone starts by encouraging. Then freely I've received, I freely give. And then I begin to encourage and then it begins to radiate out from there. So there is a, a role in discipling and leading and loving others by exercising my gift. It's not just me doing it here. But as I do this with my gift, it goes out from there, right? Okay, so that's the first thought. The second quick thought is this, that much around gifting. So I've also studied psychology for those of you, uh, anyway, whatever, I've studied psych. And what it seems like when, when I'm in counseling sessions and sitting with people, today, nowadays, the whole thing around gifting and the whole thing around um, what is my talent is a journey to myself. It's a journey to the center of me. And these gifts were never meant for me. These gifts were given to me by God so that I can be the gift to love others. They're a journey outwards. And what's really, really important, guys, I, I, I cannot stress this enough. Ren and I had this conversation a while ago. Our gift does not make us precious to Jesus. Our gift does not make us more or less a son and daughter. I am a son. I'm a daughter of God. Like, I'm so settled in that. But my gift gives me an ability to love people effectively. That's why I'm given a gift. And the problem is if we tie our identity to our gift, I am precious because I do this. What happens when you're weak? Right? What happens when you don't feel like you, you, you're pulling it off? What happens when you feel like I'm not there? I begin to feel invaluable, unloved. We can't tie identity to our gift. Identity comes directly from Christ. But what's so beautiful is our gifts are given as effective avenues to love people. Right? There's a couple of... Anyway, there are some people in this church, you would know. If you look at some of these gifts here, you, think, you look at that thing and go, if I tried to do that thing... Like it wouldn't, like probably not my major strength, right? It wouldn't come across as love. But when I do this thing, right, primarily, it is effective. And that's why it's important to know what has God put in our hand? When we look throughout scripture, when God loves people, he doesn't give them stuff. He gives them people. When God looked at the world, he didn't send a solution. He sent his son. He sends people to people. And Jesus had all the gifts. He was all that was necessary to see mankind set free. So those are the two kind of preface thoughts that I can. Anyway, so today we're going to look at a character called Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. Have you heard of him? No. Yeah, me neither. However, in Acts chapter 4, you know like we have nicknames for people in the church, like just rip each other off when you've done something stupid, you're labeled like that for the rest of your life. If you knew here, I'd just warn you. Up front, it happened, it's biblical though, because here in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, it says, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This guy was such an encourager to the church that they were like, I know your parents called you that, but they got it wrong. Like, actually, your name is Barnabas. Because when people bump into you, they bump into you like this, and they walk away from you like this. You bring encouragement. We have a guy like that on the South African rugby team. His name's Ox and Chair. Ox is not just called Ox because he looks like a... He's called Ox because of what he does to the other prop. 
right? Like the way he goes through the guy, over the guy, just mauls. You can check. It's not hard to tell who the tight head and the loose head prop are. It's just look at the guy who walks off the field and there's a chiropractor running after him, you know? Ox has done that to him, right? And that's what Barnabas did. He did stuff to people through his gift of encouragement. And it was so obvious that they were just like, I mean, we don't even remember that his name was Joseph. We remember him as Barnabas because of the gift that was on his life. That's what he did to people. That's how people felt when they interacted with him. So let's have a look at Barnabas, shall we? In Acts chapter 13, verse 1. If it's a chance to turn there, my home group boy shouts at me and says, I rush. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. You can turn there in your phones, Bibles, whatever. Right. Acts chapter 13, reading from verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menain, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John, John Mark, was with them as their helper. So for Barnabas, it was like going home, right? Because he's from Cyprus. Like, where should we go? Hey, let's go preach to my people. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus. When I was a kid and I read these stories, I was like, no. It's like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the Bible is amazing. Who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John Mark left them to return to Jerusalem. Now, I want to just create a bit of a, because we're talking about encouragement this morning. For Paul, this wasn't a magic thing. Paul was on the way to Damascus, and he was going to go smash the church. Jesus strikes him blind. Poof. So when Paul arrives on the island, and someone's opposing Jesus... What does Paul do? I know what happens to people who oppose Jesus. Blind. That's his signature move now because it happened to him, right? He knew exactly. Paul was called. Barnabas was called. But spare a thought for John Mark. This is a young guy who's tagging along. And he's like, sick. I'm going with the epic. Um, This is our mission trip. We're going to go out. We're going to save the world. It's going to be amazing. And off they go. And he's like on the boat and and he's with Paul and they're teaching. And and then they arrive on the island. And then like Gandalf's evil brother is there. And there's like, he's a sorcerer. and, And this guy's, what on earth is going on? Because remember, he wasn't set aside for this task. Paul and Barnabas were. This is just a young guy who's tagging along. And it seems to be that on that whole island, one person got saved, the proconsul. 
But whatever happened, somehow, John Mark, I don't know if it was intimidation because of the demonic, or if it was just discouragement because he didn't see the fruit that he wanted to, John Mark bails at this stage. He goes back to Jerusalem. He's like, dude, what you guys would tell you, what we felt in the prayer meeting back in Antioch, you know when there's faith in the room and we're all, hallelujah, raving around our hands and we're going to save the world, hallelujah, is very different to what just happened in there. Like a guy went blind. Okay, and like this is, this is next level hoo-ha stuff. I'm going home. And I'd like to just make a comment about this thing of encouragement. It's, it's such a great lesson for those of us who lead. The tragedy so often is we think that our plan for someone's life is God's plan for their life. And it's not. And you can see it. Later on, you'll see how Paul reacts to John Mark. We so often think that what we see, on a, we see a gift on someone's life. And I think that's what God wants to do through them. But I don't always know where they are in their process. And I don't always know what they're dealing with. And no one is perfect. No one's Jesus, but no one's the devil. We're all in process on this journey. And I feel like sometimes in the church there's this idealism that everybody who's part of everything is going to get everything right. And then when someone lets us down or someone hurts us, it's just... It knocks us backwards. Encouragement, this gift of encouragement that Barnabas carried, not only has space for mistakes, but it also sees them as necessary components for growth. It embraces them. You know, it's like me looking at my daughter, Emma, she's 14, and going to, why aren't you 30? What's wrong with you? Oh, the rotation of the sun around the earth, time, the time continuum, I, what do you want me to say? And so often, we have these over-idealistic views of people, put them on pedestals, or hold them to a standard that they can't attain. Maybe it sometimes is a result of our own brokenness or whatever it is. Encouragement sees through all of that and understands that there's a process for people to grow. You know, when we planted Center Church, it didn't look like this. I don't know, I was talking to someone the other day about it. Like, we met upstairs in this one, it used to be called Cantina Tequila, back in the corner of um, uh, Malibongwe and Olivenhout Road. Like, there was goo on the floor that, who knows what that goo was. But we just put a carpet over the goo and pretended it wasn't there, right? And there was a dead cat skeleton we found in the one fireplace, the roof had fallen in. The windows were smashed, but it was a space that they'd given us rent-free. And Gray, I don't know if you remember, it was so cold in the space that we, um, <laughs> we put heat, you know the gas heaters? We put gas heaters in next to people, otherwise we would have died of hypothermia because the wind was howling through the windows. And while you're preaching, if you preach too loud, the pigeons would fly out of the ceiling, <laughs> like, an, like, dude, like a low Stuka bomber sort of run over the, and you just... You know, didn't want to get hit by the pa-pa-pa-pa as they came flying past. Hey, Ra, you remember that place? It's part of the process. And there has to be part of a process. Encouragement is understanding that there is a process with people. And, you, and you, even this is not the end, right? Even this is, we've barely begun that center church. There's so much more God has for us. But right now I'm grateful for where we are, but I dream of something more. And encouragement understands that. Anyway, whatever happened, it's safe to assume that John Mark was discouraged for whatever his reason, and he bailed. Later on in Acts chapter 15, Acts chapter 15, verse 36, 
They've come back from their missionary trip, Paul and Barnabas. It says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, Mark, John also called Mark, with him. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Cyprus or die, that's Barnabas guy. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And what's so beautiful here is, I love the way Luke writes this. He doesn't seem to take sides. He just states stuff as fact. And it seems like the two gifts go in two different directions. Simon kicked off with, the, with leadership a few weeks ago. Paul's got this leadership gift. We have to get the job done. It's not wise to take this guy with us because Paul's got no faith for the guy. And so Paul's leadership gift says he's not coming with us. Barnabas' encouragement gift is like, dude, he bailed once, but now he's ready because he knows, he knows what he's in for. So I'm going to take him back to Cyprus and we're going to go redeem the moment. And outside it can look like a bad thing, but what's so beautiful is the one trip became two trips. And it was more effective. And friends, this is the way things have to be in the church sometimes. Not all the gifts are always perfectly aligned with one another. Sometimes there's a little bit of conflict. Sometimes it's a little bit scratchy. We see the world differently. But that's okay. Right? Because if we all stayed the same... We would, never, you know, we would never grow. We'd never accomplish anything. There was a big conference we used to go to back in the day. And I first got saved, went to this conference. It was in Bloemfontein. There's like 8,000 people. And we're all worshiping. And it's just leaders in the room. And I remember standing there thinking, we should just leave our churches and we should, this should be the church. This is such an amazing church. God's here. This is so perfect. Except that who's going to reach all the cities outside of Bloemfontein then? And so often we like, I love this, this is so, this is my body, my this, my that. But who's going to reach Joburg? Who's going to reach out beyond? God hasn't called all of us to do the same thing. One of the things we talk about often at Center Church is we don't have buses. And what I mean by a bus, we do some events, but buses are this. And I see it so often in church, guys. A church will have a massive ministry that's tagged onto that church. And the church will try and own that ministry and people in the church don't take time to work out what their gift is. They just go, so you go, like, wow, you know, hey, how are you doing? What's God doing in and through you and whatever? And they'll be like, in our church, we have this ministry. In our old church, Cindy looked after a home for children who were infected and affected by HIV. And so often people in the church there would say, oh, we've got this home called Deduza for these children. Like, no, 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 no. You've never been. You've never taken a moment. But it's just a bus that you can hop on and hop off to appease your conscience. And friends, the reality is like, yeah, we've got some events, some semi-buses. But one day when I stand before Jesus, what did you do with what I gave you? We have a responsibility, each of us, to live out these gifts. Right? Each of us to walk in, in that lane. Anyway, so it's, it's very different, right? These two things. So Paul's the get the job done kind of guy. And we need these people because they get the job done. They're like, we will get the job done if a few people fall off the back of the bus on the way. But then fortunately, there's Tim and Gwen who are on the bus as well. And they're like, I know we need to get there, but no one can fall off the back of the bus. 
And they are not at war with each other. This is the beauty of team. No one person is all round, is an all-rounder. Paul took a rational view. Pioneering missionary work requires dedication, resolve, endurance. And he saw John Mark as a risk to the mission. But Barnabas, he has the gift of encouragement. He's cut from different cloth to Paul. He wants to give John Mark another chance. And so he takes him back to Cyprus to go see him restored. One of my favorite texts in script, I know we're not supposed to have favorite texts, but whatever, I do. And uh, Hebrews 10, 23 and 24 says this, let us hold unswervingly to the, the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And this is, the, this is the verse. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This is Barnabas's theme song. You know, when he came on to preach, that's what they played over the loudspeakers. It was a dun, 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 dun. And then like Adi came in, he did his thing. You know, the word entanglement means to tangle something up. The word encouragement means to courage something up, to add courage to a space. It's very different to flattery. Very different to flattery. So often I hear people say this. I don't know how to encourage people. I don't know what to say. Encouragement's not about saying it would probably be better to say this. How do I encourage this person? I don't know what to believe about them. Because encouragement is true. And it's honest. And it's real. In Isaiah 42, prophesying about Jesus, Isaiah writes, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And friends, if we look at what Jesus has done for us, if you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you're far from him. Jesus was the encourager. He was the one who brought courage by coming to mankind in our broken, fallen state, far from God. All the things that we say to ourselves, the mental things we go through, all that stuff is true. And then Jesus walks in and goes, but I give you new identity. You belong to me. And he lays down his life and he doesn't pretend our sin doesn't happen, but he pays the cost for our sin, the actual cost for it in, in his body. And sometimes you might be feeling this morning like a, like a bruised reed or a, a wick that's on its blot. The smoke is just... And Jesus doesn't go, well, I can't really do much with this. You know, we've got a, a world to change. You know, and that's not really changing anything. But Jesus comes and he blows and stokes the thing back into flame. That's how he loves his church so much, friends. He loves you. He loves me. His heart is for us. But his heart is also for a world that's dying. And so what do I believe about someone? How do I encourage? Well, what does Jesus believe about them? And I find that for me, like, I, I don't think, maybe I do have the gift of encouragement, but like for me, that's always where I need to go back to because the problem with me is I'm so fickle. I look at people interactionally. Do you know what I mean? Or transactionally. What have they done for me? What have I done for them? You know? Where am I in, in, my, in, am I in their good books? Am I in their bad books? Like, what does Jesus believe about them? What does Jesus see about them? Because when I believe that, it is not hard to encourage from a place of truth and a place of honesty because they are valuable. I've got a friend in this church, 
He's been told he can suck the air out of a room. He's been told he's difficult to lead. I spoke to him yesterday. I told him that he's a gift to God's church. And while I was prepping last night and um, just finishing this off, I'm praying that he begins to see that God wants to breathe life through him into the room. But you know what it takes for me to pray that prayer, friends? Go back to that text that I read. Let us consider. I have to carve time. I have to make space in my world to pray for him. Lord, what are you saying? Lord, help me see what you see. Speak to me about this person. I want to encourage them. I want to see them built up. And when I'm in that space, when I've made the time, consider, because life is so busy, it's so hard to actually take time to encourage when I'm just through life like this. It happens, it's much easier with this hand. There you go. I didn't know I couldn't click with my left hand. Anyway, but, but just going through life like this, it's so busy and so much is happening. It's so hard to just pause and go, hey, Chris, I was praying for you. Like I really was. It means writing names. Like I have lists of names at the back of my journal because I'm forgetful. I love people, but I want to consider and then begin to pray. There's a prophetic and discerning element to all of this. And I love that Barnabas could see the same potential that he and Paul saw before their first trip. Paul and Barnabas both saw the same potential in John Mark. Barnabas just wasn't shaken by failure. He was okay with it. That's the gift of encouragement in the church. John Mark needed to grow in courage, grow, grow in courage, I-N. And so he needed to be encouraged, to grow in courage. It's the thing of you will not go down on my watch. I love in Psalm 78, 72, um, it says that David shepherded God's people with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them. Integrity of heart? And skillful hands, wisdom, consideration, thinking. What is needed here, not to make the person like me, that's flattery, but what is needed for them to continue to grow? This gift of encouragement stops the church getting stuck. It's the believers who are in a, in a, in a spiral going round and round and can't see their way out, and the encouragers walk and speak and <laughs> Such an incredible role in the church. So I want to finish with this story. Um, oh, right at the end, which is really cool. The, the fruit of all of this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. You know what Paul writes to Timothy? He says, only Luke is with me. Get John Mark and bring him with you. Because he's helpful. He's useful to me in my ministry. You know? I hope Paul sent Barnabas like a, you know, like a fruit basket or something to say thank you. Because <laughs> if it was up to Paul, that line would not be in Scripture. Because of Barnabas it was. I want to finish with this. So, think about people who carry this gift of encouragement. I often say this. If you want to know where you are gifted, look where you've been most hurt. It's just the enemy's way of dealing with us. You want to know where your primary gift lies. Look where you've been hit hardest. If you've been called to love and encourage, genuinely you're going to be hurt. And you will have been let down so often by people. Like, it's just... And anyway, so I want to tell you a story, something that happened to us while we were away over these last little while. So we've been away for nine weeks. 
It's felt like nine years. But two weeks ago, let me not start two weeks ago, let me start three and a half years ago. We used to have a guy who worked for the church. When we first planted the church, actually eight years ago, we set up every week and we loved setting up and doing all the stuff. But six months in, we're carrying drum kits up and down the stairs and all sorts of stuff. And there was a guy who lived on the property. His name was Brian. And Brian um, was a good guy and he started coming to the church. And he lived on the property where the church was and we had to set up every week. So we had this thought, what about if we ask Brian, if we pay him to and talk to his employer, maybe he could do setups for us. Job for him makes our job a little bit easier. It was wonderful. Train Brian how to do all the setups. We never knew we were in a setup facility. We'd arrive on Sunday, everything is set up perfectly. And it was an amazing, amazing time. It just allowed the church to go forward. It allowed the serving teams to serve where they could be most effective. And Brian loved it. It was like his thing for the church. And then um, COVID hit, and Brian lost his way during COVID. And we didn't know of all of the stuff that had happened. Um, one night, Cindy and I got a call. His wife was screaming on the phone and all sorts of stuff had gone down. And we didn't realize that Brian, because we didn't see him for most of that time during COVID because we were doing church from our house. We are still paying his salary, but he was in, still at the, at the property. It was a school. And Brian had started drinking again and um, he beat up his wife. And... We'd extended grace, and, but we just felt at that point, there's a line in the sand. The church is, is a vulnerable place. There's vulnerable people in the church. And so um, Brian resigned from the church. We had a conversation with him. We spoke to him. And that was the end of things. But it was really hard because my parents gave Brian a car. Brian had Christmas with us at our home. It's like family for us because that's how we build, Right? We're tight. We belong to one another. And so someone who encourages, it's like, flip, man. Like, do we keep encouraging? Two weeks ago on Wednesday night, I was in the Eastern Cape at Mazeppa Bay. And there's a ring at the gate. It's the SAP. And 15, 12, 15, I don't know how many. Policemen rock up at our house with Brian. Drag him into our lounge. Put him there on the floor. And tell Cindy that he's murdered someone and that he's told them that I'm part of it, his crime ring. I'm sitting in the Eastern Cape. I've got a policeman talking to me on the phone. And I'm like, what? Like just, fortunately, I got off the phone with the cop phone. Simon, Simon went up. And anyway, they sorted everything out with the guys and they left our house. But it was traumatic for my family, guys. My girls were shaking. You can understand what it was like for them. And all the, all the stuff that he was saying, all the charges, all this, I mean, it's bull. If you need more information, you're welcome to come and talk to me about it. All the elders, anyone, it's fine. But just trying to abdicate, trying to not be in trouble, trying to include me. I don't know if it was spite or vindictiveness or whatever. Everything's gone away. There was no, there's no um, basis to those allegations. But I sat there for three days. Everyone's like, 
So I phoned Ash, and Ash is like, dude, don't come back, because the cops are going to arrest you. This is a Wednesday. You're going to spend the weekend in jail. So come back, like, like halfway through the weekend. And I'm like, sitting there in the Eastern Cape, like, I want to be home with my family. And I'm, I'm terrified. And I can't comfort my, my daughters. And my, I'm trying to over the phone, but it's not the same. And friends, I'm telling you, everything inside of me is just like, like, is it, is it worth it? Because you love and you give and you include and you encourage and you sow and then this. But it is worth it. It is 100% worth it, guys. Because for everyone, and I'm st- we're still praying for Brian. I, like, I don't know where he is. I don't know what's happened. But it's worth it. And the reason I'm telling you that story at the end of today is, I want to pray for you today. If you have this gift of encouragement, but you have been hurt, even if it's a little bit of a dent, and you've tried to love, and it's been thrown back in your face, whatever the, but there's just like, no more. I'm not doing this anymore. I want to pray for you today because the church of Jesus needs your gift. Because there is a world that needs saving. And if we don't have the encouragers encouraging, people are going to get stuck. And people are not going to grow. Is that okay? Can I ask us to bow our heads? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or stand on your head or whatever. But if that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. God knows I've been praying for me. And our eldership team's been praying for me and our leadership team's been praying for for Cindy and I as well. But guys, unforgiveness and hurt and bitterness, it is not just hurting you. But we need that epicenter. We need that (laughs) through the church. Because we belong to one another. And so Holy Spirit, I... Thank you for your presence here from the the beginning of this morning. Just you hovering over this room. I pray for forgiveness, Lord. Pray that you give us courage today to let go in Jesus' name. And to believe again, Lord, that you can run like a river through us. Those of us, Lord God, who perhaps feel like, well, I've got so little to give. What what would it how can I encourage? If that's what you've put on our lives, Lord, if it's become damned up, I pray for release today in Jesus' name. That we wouldn't look around and go, well, no one else is doing it. Why me? But you'd set us free today, Lord, to be the river that you've called us to be. That you would, Lord, even in our weakness, remind us to take time to consider. That you set us free, that you heal, Lord. I pray for a release of the encouraging gifts in this church. Already, Lord, there is so much of that. But I pray for an ongoing release of the encouragement gifts in this church that there would be a constant spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. That courage would arise, faith would arise, Lord, in the face of whatever is in front of us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're asking yourself, how can I take this further? You can start by going on our website. There you can access all our previous sermons, our banking details, get in contact with us, or just find out about who we are. If you consider yourself as part of Centre Church, we want to thank you for your ongoing support and your continuous partnership. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful day. Let's